There's that song we all know and love. Blau und Weiß, ein Leben lang. Hallo, meine Lieben. Wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. We'll also pick out articles on the club and talk a little bit about them. As always, joining me on the show is co-host and savior of the podcast, Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Good evening, Richard. Victory Sunday. Victory little, Sunday. Uh, streak of three wins here, so I'm, I'm, I'm in quite a good mood. How about you? I am as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to be on a three-game win streak. Um, the, the previous two wins were, uh, were very exciting. This one was almost, you were kind of expecting it, but you never know. It's, it's every week you got to bring it. So, um, good, good stuff for, by the boys. And, uh, we're now in second place. So it's, uh, good times. Yeah. All things back to how it was at the, uh, the winter break. Yeah. And I said, Jack is our savior is because, uh, just before we went on the pod, he's like, did you remember, remember to record? I was like, Oh crap. Good call. Good call. So he saved this podcast there. Um, also, uh, Jack was, uh, he joined the boys over at Neverkusen, uh, podcast. And how did that go, Jack? I mean, it sounded awesome. I don't know how it was when you were on there. Yeah. Always a good time when we do a pod collaboration, whether it's with the, uh, the boys over at, Hey, on track Frankfurt or this time Neverkusen. Uh, so thank you to Eric and the gang for, for having me. Um, a little bit easier when my job is to talk about a Schalke victory rather than a loss. So <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I went into enemy territory with a, with a win in my pocket. But uh, it was a good time, and I, I, I enjoyed doing that with them. Yeah, so Jack, I think our fans missed us, cause, um, or at least I hope they did. Uh, we didn't have an episode technically because, like you said, we, you know, we joined the Neverkusen podcast for a collaboration podcast uh, to recap that Leverkusen Schalke match. Um, so, you know, you represented Schalke Nation quite well, so kudos on that. It was very, very well done. Appreciate it. All right, before we get too deep into this podcast, uh, we'd like to pay our respects to a person who passed away this morning, Davide Astori, captain of Fiorentina. Uh, never woke up this morning, unfortunately, at the team hotel before uh, Fiorentina's match against Udinese. Uh, it is believed that he had a heart attack in his sleep. He was just 31 years old. Um, while we are a podcast that celebrates a German club, football is a universal game and we are all human. When tragedies like this happen, it really puts things into perspective. Naturally, Serie A, they canceled all their matches for today, um, as this affected so many people. Uh, so on, on behalf of Shaka Podcast, we would like to express our deepest condolences to the family and friends of Davide Astoria. Um, rest in peace, brother. All right. So a difficult transition from there. Um, Today on the podcast rundown, uh, again, coming off a big road victory at Leverkusen, Schalke, we're back home trying to keep the winning streak intact. In this episode, we relive the Hertha match, look ahead to Mainz, and we'll even discuss the Max Meyer saga. Let's take it away. So heading into the game, um, Schalke were on the heels of a back-to-back victories over Hoffenheim and Leverkusen, vaulting us back to third position before the game, just one point behind our rural rivals. Schalke looked to extend that winning streak. Uh, Hertha, on the flip side, have only one win in the Rook Runda thus far and are starting to slip down the table. Schalke have an outstanding home record, only suffering two losses uh, to Bayern and then also uh, Bremen recently. 
while Hertha have lost nine consecutive matches at Velton's Arena, Jack, um, coming to this match, what were you thinking of the, the prospects of facing Hertha Berlin? Well, so first of all, whenever I hear stats like that, what is it, the 14 consecutive uh, yeah. wins for us against Hertha at the Velton's Arena, I always hate hearing that. Um, it, they, you know, the announcers mentioned it pregame. I'm like, here we go. Like, why, why do you got to jinx us like that? But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, Hertha has been a, has been a good club in, in recent seasons, uh, kind of taking a step back a little bit this year. Um, kind of like how we did last season. Um, so wasn't overly worried about them, particularly given, you know, some of the more difficult teams, We've played recently, but uh, a hugely important match. You know, we, we got off to a very poor start in the Rook Renda, losing, um, I believe, three of our first five and only winning one of those. And then, um, uh, you know, after that, the the schedule didn't get all that much easier because we had Hoffenheim, we had Leverkusen, and now here to Berlin, which is, a, you know, a solid mid-table side. And um, fortunately, we were able to get those two wins the last couple weeks. And, um, you know, uh, we had an opportunity to jump into second place here if we uh, continued that trend. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's a very, uh, very interesting opponent that we had to face. And uh, so let's get into the lineups for this one. Uh, obviously, in goal, we had Ralph Fairman. Uh, in the back, we had Benjamin Stambouli, who was uh, in place for um, Tilo Kerr, who was, I think, down with an illness, I believe, or something. Or no, he had maybe suspension. I don't remember. I heard somebody say injury, I think. Oh, okay. So clearly, clearly, we're on top of this. <laughs> obviously. You know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. The point is, he was not in the lineup and not on the bench either. Exactly. So Naldo was in center as always, and Nastasic in the left. Uh, on the right flank, we had a Kalajiri. Max Meyer was in the middle with Bentaleb. Goretzka was actually uh, the one who had an injured foot. Uh, and then Ochipka was on the left, back on the left. Uh, up top left, we had Marco Piazza, who's making a start. Who's uh, It's good to see him back on the pitch. Uh, that's because Bergstaller was out with suspension due to accumulated yellows. That is definitely the reason. We can confirm that one. We can confirm that, that one. one on top of <laughs> uh, Franco Di Santo in his famous uh, false nine position again. And then Brielle Mbolo up top. Um, that was a very, uh, very interesting. What did you make of the, the starting lineup? Um, well, I mean, largely pretty standard. Um, yeah. Going with the same formation that we've been using in recent games, I think. Did we unveil this back against Bayern, maybe? Uh, well, we, was it the the three minute, it's a three-minute attack, but the game yeah. against Hoffenheim is when we had the, the gotcha. false nine. So I mean, we've been doing this for, for a couple matches now. Um, and honestly, outside of the, the, the Stambouli Kara switch, which has been happening all season, so it's not that unusual. Um, you know, Bentaleb in the mid, midfield, he's kind of been making his return over the last few matches. And then uh, Piazza up top, as we said, for, for Bergstaller. And he slots in now and again as well. So, um you know, some changes from maybe what we would consider to be our, you know, our optimal lineup with Goretzka or whoever, but uh, certainly not um, a surprising lineup or something too far outside the norm. Well, speaking of surprises, we did have some on the bench. Um, so here are our substitutions. Uh, Nubel was obviously in there. Pablo Ensua, who's yet to make an appearance for Schalke, was on the bench in this one. Sasha Reeder, Weston McKinney back in the, back in the bench. Uh, Konoplyanka, Harit, and Schoff. Uh, so it's good to see McKinney... Uh, back on the bench and then looks like he's ready to go for this one uh he he got through his injury luckily he didn't have any relapses or um, setbacks so um so it was good to have him back especially the way uh if Goretzka is down with the injury if it hopefully it's not for too long yeah always good to see Weston McKinney uh in and around the team and uh he certainly seemed excited to be back you see some of his comments he made on social media or in, or in interviews and he actually I guess felt that the the break benefited him um, as a footballer, he, he seemed very excited to kind of get back into things and, uh, you know, a little bit of a renewed 
energy for the game, and uh, he certainly looked that way when he had his late game cameo. So uh, glad to have him back. And you know, now that we have, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Max Meyer later, but Goretzka for sure is leaving. Um, yes, and yes. I think it's very important that McKenney gets a substantial number of minutes from here on out. Um, because it, it's looking ever more likely that he is going to be one of the mainstays in our midfield next season. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, so let's look over to the, uh, the, uh, the Hertha Berlin lineup. Man, I'm on this tonight. Uh, <laughs> some of the side uh, Maybe I'll just leave it in there to make it sound funnier. Um, <laughs> in goal, we had Jarstein uh, in the back. You had Pekarik, Stark, Rekik, and Plattenhart. Uh, defensive midfielder, you had uh, Arnim Meyer. Who's, uh, they have their own Meyer, who's a youngster, who has a lot of talent over there at Hertha Berlin. And they, and unlike us, they have signed him uh, long-term, so good for them to keep their talent in Berlin. Um, on the right wing, you had Lustenberger. Uh, you had the Australian Lecky. In the middle with uh, Lazzaro and then uh, Solomon Kalou is a name that people are familiar with uh, from the Premier League. He was on the left wing, and up top you had David Selke. Um, pretty standard lineup for them. Their uh, their captain Ibisevic was on the bench, uh, but that's pretty. He's, he's at the twilight of his career, so it wasn't anything uh, big on that one. Um, any big names in there that you were worried about pregame? Maybe David Selke or, or Kalou or something like that? Yeah, sure. I think those are probably two of the more dangerous players. Kalou sort of in the midst of a uh, career revival here in the Bundesliga. Yeah, what, he's got like nine goals or something? Yeah, yeah. But he, I mean, after, because he was on Chelsea back in the day, and I feel like he kind of disappeared from the scene for a while there. So it's been interesting to see him kind of coming back. And he, he he's a dangerous player. I think you saw that today. But, um, Love some of these names on Heritage. It's a great name squad. You got you know, like a Plattenhart, uh, Lustenberger, uh, Middleshot on the bench, Pekarik, Yarstein. Just great, great names. Yeah. I, I enjoy just reading the team sheet. It's fun to say. Exactly. No, Let's no. Step our game up. <laughs> Make it harder for us. Come on, guys. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get into this one. Um, Shaka, they they started pretty pretty quick in the third minute. Uh, Shaka started up the pressure along the wings, and Daniel Caligiri was working hard on the right flank as he, as he usually does. Um, he managed to get a step up on the defender, produce an in swinger that seemed more like a shot on goal, and Yarsin had trouble with, and was forced to tip it over the bar for a corner. Jack, was that an intentional play by Caligiri, or was it accidental? I'm honestly not sure, but uh, he'll probably tell you was, if, if, if it went in, he would have said it was intentional. I know that, and I wouldn't have argued with him. You know, whatever. I think I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt. He's he's uh, he, he's pretty intentional with a lot of his deliveries from wide areas. Yeah, so if yeah. He, if he wanted to say that was intentional. I would I would have just gone with it. <laughs> so uh, you know, a couple minutes later in the six-minute piazza, he had a nice move to make himself free for a show a shot, low, a low hard shot that was part away by Yarstein. Uh, the rebound ended up going wide to DeSanto, who tried, also tried to make an attempt on goal. Uh, it was denied as well, but it, it's a good sign that the guys are starting to get shots off early in the game. Um, they, they have had uh, for most of for most of the season where they had they played pretty well for the first two thirds of the pitch, and then the final third they struggled to get shots off. It showed in this game that they're already uh, they're already into it mentally, and they're, they're getting some shots off early. Yeah, going vertical very early in the match, really stretching the field and kind of pushing the pace uh, in the opening, maybe even 10 minutes or so. But yeah, a couple opportunities there. Uh, we really seem to be putting them under pressure. I actually thought we had a chance to, to, to nab an early one. Um, they did not look like they had really had themselves sorted out in the early minutes. Unfortunately, they, they kind of regained a foothold around the 10th and, you know, the kind of the balance of the play shifted. But uh, yeah, that was a great piece of play. You know, P- uh, Piazza back in the lineup and, um, you know, he's got... He's well-rounded. He's not. 
he tends to take a couple bad shots here and there in terms of whether or not they're on target, but he, he does consistently yeah. seem to get into dangerous areas and, you know, he's got dr- great dribbling ability and um, gets off a hard shot here and DeSanto another one and, you know, uh, just good goalkeeping on, on, on both those pieces of play, but good early work from Schalke. Yeah, and then like you said, uh, Hertha started getting into the game in around the 12th minute or so. Arne Meyer, uh, he entered the Schalke box and he ended teeing up David Telke with a beautiful pass. Uh, he, who blasted a shot that was um, that Farman was forced to save over the bar. I don't know if it was going to go in, but it definitely uh, it woke up Farman. He was uh, into the game real quick. Yeah, I'm not sure that was going to creep under the bar, but uh, you know, one timer from Selke there, as you said, on, on the ball played over from from Meyer and uh good to get Fairman uh into the game early so he's not sleeping back there um uh but also really good performance from Fairman today I agree I was very pleased to see because you know we had talked about how he had been shaky recently and uh very much back to his his sharp form in this one particularly on um obviously a couple good reaction saves such as this one but particularly on uh balls from from wide areas uh commanding on set pieces kind of mm-hmm. getting up and grabbing those and Shut yeah. the danger down early. Absolutely. Um, and he, to, to add to that, just a few seconds later after that shot that he saved from uh, Selkie, uh, Herther were awarded a free kick near the byline. Uh, Lazaro whipped it in, and the Australian Lecky, with a sneaky glancing header towards the far post, forces Farman to react and make another big save. Uh, Herther were, were starting to become dangerous off these set pieces. Uh, they're, I believe, the third most dangerous team in, in, in Bundesliga um, off set pieces. Obviously, we're number one in Bayern or two. Uh, but yeah, it showed in this game that they were also quite lethal, uh, something that we had to be very wary of. Yeah, so just as I say, you know, reaction saves, and that was one right there. You know, ball comes in from the free kick, and um, it, it almost looked like a training ground exercise. Uh, if yeah, it no, it did. It, it definitely did. Really well, but, um, you know, the, kind of a, uh, the ball played in to the near side, flicked on towards the back post, and I don't know if it was Selk, I forget who was making that back post run, but... Um, had Fairman not reacted and, and parried that away, that might have been a tap-in back post for because I know somebody was lurking around back there. So, um, yeah, Fairman on his game early, and we probably needed that. I, and then there was a, there was a corner after this, yes. that particular play again. We could not clear this ball out for it seemed like for an eternity. As I was watching this, I was like, "Can we just boot this downfield and get this out?" They had successive set pieces, and it was making me very nervous. Luckily, that ball that it, so the, the play that off that corner kick, Farman somehow was on the ground at the at the near post. The ball went far post to uh, the, the the center back uh, Starke, and uh, he had open net and he shot it right back to Farman. I'm like, "Whoa, we got so lucky there!" If it had been Selke or or Kalu or something, that they would have yeah. finished it all easily. But I was like, "Oh yes. my goodness." <laughs> They kind of felt to Kalu on on the left side of goal, and he, he's able to whip that ball across. And as you say, falls right to Stark, and that's an open net. Honestly, it's it's, no, it's an open net tap in, and I guess the ball came in a little bit behind him. Yeah, and so uh, as opposed to kind of you know in a position that was a lot easier for him. And I mean, if it was if it was a better player, he probably would have finished it. But um, as that ball was coming across, I thought that was a goal for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah, um, no, I, I did too. How he ended up missing that? It went straight to Fairman, who was like basically on the post. Um, dodged another bullet there. Yeah, the football got sort on our side uh, on that one. Too close for comfort. Uh, despite you know some of the pressure offset pieces from Hertha, the first quarter hour saw Schalke with most of the possession. Actually, Schalke had sixty four percent to Hertha's thirty six percent. Though dominated possession, Jack, it seemed that the final third was lack up to this point. We had like the first you know first five minutes or so, we had a lot of pressure, and then it, yeah. it was all Hertha after that. 
yeah, that early pressure that you know we talked about the first ten minutes or so, um, got a couple good chances and really seemed to be put him under pressure. And then you know the balance of play really shifted, uh, as I said, and, and Hertz kind of got into the game, and we really seemed to uh, be a little bit toothless, I think, going forward, and uh, really not getting as, as as deep as we needed to. Yeah, um, absolutely, and uh, it's a trend that hopefully, that luckily, it changed for us in the game. It actually got. Uh, a lot of shots both ways uh, as the game went on. Um, let's fast forward a little bit to the 28th minute or 29th. I can't remember exactly. Um, so Daniel Calgeria had a free kick. Uh, it was a beautifully swung in pass and, and ended up finding the head of a wide open Nastasic who did really poorly on the header as we were making fun of Stark for missing empty net before. Uh, Nastasic, uh, he had a lot of time there and rushed it a bit. Um, I know he was ruled off sides, but he didn't know that at the time. Um, it was just it was just a poor shot that he brushed with his head, and it, it was way wide. But at the time, it was a perfect pass to an open player, which you couldn't expect anything better from Caligiri. Yeah, I mean, another just brilliant piece of set-piece delivery from him. Uh, he's been doing that all season. And as you say, Nastasic has no one around him. He is wide open um, and just does about as poorly as you can do. I think Naldo was the closest person to him. I mean, I can see if you see Naldo yeah, on you, you're like, okay, yeah. I got to get rid of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he. I don't even think he, that went wide, didn't I? Don't even think yeah, he it went wide. Save on that. Yeah, yeah, it was so, a wide. Um, yeah, and then it, it turned out he was offside anyway, uh, barely. I mean, yeah. his arm was offside. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there you go. At least he doesn't have to feel bad about that. Uh, the <laughs> offside kind of saved him. It wasn't, wouldn't have counted anyway, so it didn't really matter. But uh, got to do a little bit better than that, man. Absolutely. Uh, through the first 35 minutes, uh, Schalke still were enjoying the lion's share of possession. It was six, still 62 to 38. Uh, and they were also leading the shots department four to three, but there were really no clear opportunities either way. It was pretty much, uh, easy saves for both, both goalkeepers going, uh, going for both sides. Um, but that would change in the 37th, uh, a typical buildup for Schalke. Uh, the ball would find its way wide right to Caligiri. Uh, with two defenders on him, he did a little sort of a shake and bake or something, uh, to give him some room. Uh, and he, he, he normally does beautiful crosses in. Uh, this was a low, ugly ball towards Di Santo. The Argentine faked us all out, let the ball go behind him and right into the path of the young Croatian Loni. Helps on here for Piazza! And Marco Piazza puts the ball away! And gives Schalke the lead with their first real chance of the afternoon. It's taken well by Marco Piazza. Marco Piazza puts away the opportunity and Schalke up one nothing. His second start, his second goal, Jack. Uh, this player really comes out of no. The, play, the whole play comes out of nowhere, and then Piazza with the finish. Yeah, as, as I said earlier, just very much out of nowhere, kind of against the run of play. Um, Hertha had been doing a very good job of closing down the middle of the pitch against us. I felt. Um, so there's a lot of balls from our, you know, center backs or even kind of Max Meyer that were just kind of going wide to uh, Chipka or Caligari, whoever, and then just kind of coming back. We really seem to have difficulty, you know, advancing up the pitch, particularly through the center. And so uh, this play actually started kind of strangely, which was it was a back pass, I believe, to Bentaleb, yeah. who is almost at midfield exactly, kind of in the center uh, center area. And he just delivers this kind of uh, wide ball, almost kind of a cross field pass out to Caligurian space, um, who, as you say, uh, isn't closed down particularly uh, strongly by the defenders there. And he's able to buy himself, you know, a yard and, and, and get a cross off. And um, it's kind of coming into DeSanto. I, I don't know if that was an intentional dummy on his part. Um, you know me, I'm, I'm 
<laughs> Don't want to give him too much. <laughs> it maybe it maybe it was. I mean, he touched it, so it's not exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, anyway, uh, it gets beyond him and and falls right to Marco Piazza, who who makes no mistake about it, and you know puts it puts it away past the keeper. Um, yeah, and I think Hertha was just kind of looking around, like, all right, well, that was a stupid goal to concede that came out of nowhere. But uh, Piazza, you know, back on the back on the score sheet, uh, he doesn't get as many opportunities as some of the other guys. Uh, but you know, it seems whenever we slot him in for a Bergstaller or for a DeSanto, whoever he's replacing, um, you know, he looks dangerous and he, he's got a couple goals for us now. So a uh, good finish for him, and uh, we were able to grab uh, that important first goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so after that goal. Um, there really wasn't much to talk about after that. Uh, we'd go into halftime with a one nothing lead in there. Um, so what were your overall impressions of the first half? Um, I thought Schalke did fairly well. Uh, obviously, he didn't give up any goals. Neither team really had any opportunities. Uh, they did get the big goal, though. That was important. Um, and they did, I mean, they were winning the p- possession battle, if you want to call it that. Like, and I guess the shots. But really, either, neither team was providing us with um, a lot of excitement. Yeah, I really would have liked to see, um, you know, whether it was Stambouli or Nastasic or or Naldo, occasionally when they get the ball, just try to run at the defense a little bit and try to make them collapse and then maybe open something else for, for uh, open yeah. something else up for you know one of your other players because I felt like far too many times as as I said a minute ago we we were just kind of passing balls back and forth kind of horizontally and nothing was really happening and there was space for some of these guys to run into. Um, and just kind of, you know, force the defense to get out of their shape a little bit. Um, and the, the few times it happened, it looked, you know, somewhat promising. But for me, there just wasn't enough happening in front of, um, you know, the, the people who were possessing the ball for us. It wasn't enough movement off the ball. And um, I mean, Hertha did a great job of closing down the center, but I, 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 maybe some of that's that Goretzka is out of the lineup. And I don't. I think he's a little bit more active, maybe than than Bentaleb is. Yeah, Bentaleb, I thought was very stale. I mean, he he was he was solid in the fact that he didn't give up anything defensively away. But yeah, yeah. Uh, on the offensive end, he would just stand there and let him like watch watch ball watch basically. And Max Bayer move around, and get open, and he just wouldn't get open. He would like go to places where the other players were and wouldn't help help his cause at, at all. So I'm like, come on, dude, you're a hindrance. Yeah, and especially one. when when teams are marking Max Meyer and they didn't press him, you know, super high up you know this in this match but there was right. one guy at least shadowing him most of the time and sometimes two um and that was somewhat prohibitive in terms of getting balls to Meyer that there has to be space open for the you know for your other midfielder if that's kind of the case and I don't yeah. think that we were really um energetic enough in that in that regard and I think we were just kind of lulled into a rhythm there so uh I was looking for a little bit more energy in the second half so, uh, Schalke going into the second half, they seem to change their, their mentality, I guess, more into a counterattacking, aggressive style, um, to begin the second half. Um, however, you know, as a, as a, as a, as much pressing as they were doing, uh, it started out poor defensively, uh, cause they started giving up several shots early in the second half to Hertha. Luckily, the shots of like Kalu and Meyer, they all went, uh, nowhere near the net and went high and wide. But it's kind of concerning there. I mean, yes, you want to. I like what what Tedesco was doing. You know, trying to press Hertha, but their defense. It started. You know, it started affecting the defense there and and giving up a lot, far too many opportunities for Hertha. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I mean, a lot of those shots, they're rarely going to go in anyway because they're you know, as you say, they're from they're from deep. But um, I mean, eventually, if you let them get enough of those off, it can take a deflection. You know, it can be a bad 
parry by Fairman, whatever. And, you know, you can create opportunities that way. So, um, uh, yeah, it was concerning that we won't, we weren't closing them down enough kind of centrally right in front of the, the area. We were letting them get a little bit, you know, too much off. But fortunately, as you say, a lot of these were not taken particularly well. Um, skied or, you know, hit wide, what have you. And there were a lot of half chances where it looked like um, we were about to be broken down. And yeah. then there is a, you know, a, you know, a missed dribble by somebody or, you know, a defender six leg in the last second. So um, not a lot of clear cut chances at all. I think for most of this game, really, um, really just kind of a, a match of a lot of half chances. One of the few chances that Hertha did did produce uh, was around the 60th minute, around the hour mark. Uh, Lazaro had a good shot from distance that Fireman was uh, fisted away. Fisted away. Um, perhaps Fireman learned from his previous games when he he didn't try to catch it this time and you know give up a juicy rebound. Though when he did fist it away, uh, it did go you know to the, go to the far wide right or far wide left. And I think Kalu got it, but nothing came out of it. Um, so he obviously learned quickly that you know I'm not going to catch it and fumble it on the, on the six yard box, let them score. I'm just going to punch it away, which you probably should. Or I mean, I think you still should catch it, but if you can't catch it, you know you can't catch it. I guess fist it away is the best thing to do, Jack. Yeah, it was a nasty shot by Lazaro. Um, you know, it was a right footed effort uh, that was slicing back to the right, um, and it just kind of dipped. Um, and, and spun back towards that post pretty wildly, and, and Fairman had to get down quickly. He did a good job of getting that out of there. As you say, very much a no-nonsense clearance from him, uh, which was which was good to see given some of the mistakes he's made uh, recently. Just, you know, don't get too cute with it. Don't try to catch it, as you said. Just, you know, get it out of there. But, um, yeah, once again, just just a deep shot from Herta. So, I, I mean, for the most part, yeah, he, I mean, he forced a, a good save from Fairman, and, you know, that you know it's always nerve-wracking when – you know, a shot is, is that wild and looks dangerous. But, you know, I mean, I'll take this all day if they just want to, you know, bomb efforts from deep because the chances of any of these going in is not particularly high. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, as this game started progressed, I started the tension started going up and I started getting worried that the goal was going to come. One goal is not enough. We always say this every right. podcast. We need more than one. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's the classic thing is, you know, I mean, and obviously in the first half of the season, Chalka didn't do a good job of getting the lead in the, in, in the first place. Right. But recently when we have, um, we seem just really enable to put teams away and yeah. it is taking years off my life. You know, when you get one no of these kidding. early goals um, and we had less chances in this one than we have in other ones. So it wasn't, it wasn't quite the same thing. I mean, we've had other games where we should have scored, you know, two or three and, and you know, to, to get that second goal. And this, we don't think we had many chances. No, one, no, we didn't. Yeah. I mean, we get the early goal and you're just like, if we can just put one more passes, we can cruise the rest of the game. And we just seem to leave it so late all the time. This is the first match. I believe um, I'll have to check what the stats are, but the, the point that you and I always make, as you just said, is uh, Schalke does not win games one to nothing. Schalke can win games, you know, two to nothing or two to one, but like when we when we only score one game a goal, we do not win that many games. Exactly. So, <laughs> as we're watching this, Richard and I are always like, come on, when's the second one coming? And it was clear that Schalke were trying to slow down the game and and, and uh, take the life out of it. Uh, they made three substitutions in the second half. Uh, it started with uh, in the 66th minute, Marco Piazza was subbed off uh, for Alessandro Schoff. Um, what were your thoughts on Piazza's performance in this one? Yeah, solid. I think he did a decent job in the in the pressing game as well. Um, uh, you know, a nice you know about an hour a long game for him gets gets the goal um, and had a number of chances beyond that. So he, a player who seems to consistently be able to get in dangerous positions now again and um, you know kind of be a creative outlet and sometimes you know finish off chances as well. So I've been pleased with him. I mean, if that's all he ends up doing for the rest of the season is just sort of. 
um, you know, the occasional hour long start or, you know, maybe the half an hour cameo. I'm with totally a goal. With, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm totally, exactly. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. Him just kind of being one of those depth players for us. I mean, I think it's mutually beneficial. Obviously, he's getting some match minutes and getting back to fitness so that, you know, maybe he can work his way into a Juve side next season. And, you know, we have another option off the bench. So he has equaled uh, DeSanto in goals this season, and he's only made two starts. Just saying, just saying. I mean, he'll probably pass DeSanto's <laughs> career total at Chelsea by the end of the season. <laughs> probably. It's not that hard. Uh, no, it isn't. Um, through the first 67 minutes of the game, possession has started to become more even. This is why Jack and I were becoming so worried. Possession is more like 54-46 now. It's, it's basically 50-50. Um, shots were even at this point, 8-8. Those shots weren't very, very uh, strong or... Um, stuff you have to worry about it was still shots and team both teams had eight at that point um a minute after this Pekarik uh, had a decent opportunity from long range Farman was up to the task and and saved that um if we fast forward to about 10 minutes after that on the 78th it looked like Hertha had a quality chance again off the set piece uh, but uh, the center back Stark was ruled offsides. Um, unlike the play where Nastasich was offsides, uh, which was by like a by hair, um, Stark was off by like five yards in this one. I don't know if you caught that one. Um, not that he would have done anything with it, but uh, he was. This is definitely <laughs> offsides for sure compared to yeah, Nastasich after his first effort in the game, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he had if he had scored that, I'd been pissed off because like you miss how'd you miss a sitter over there earlier and you get this hard goal, but yeah. no, he didn't get anything there. Um, we continue to try to drain the clock out on uh, the 80th minute. Uh, Brielle Mbolo is off, and, and it is the return of Weston McKinney. Before we get into Mbolo, uh, comment on uh, seeing McKinney back on the pitch in this one. Yeah, very excited to see that. Um, obviously, we're a little bit more biased than, than some are just because of the American yeah. angle on this as well. <laughs> but um, as we said, McKenney is a player who I think, unless we do some sort of you know massive um, summer window purchasing and it, you know to, to shore that up, which I don't think we'll do, given the fact that the players we need to replace uh, are not going to be uh, bringing in money for them, uh, you know, yeah. when, they, when they leave. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to be a big part of our team next year and, and going forward. As we said, he's you know one of the longest contracted players of the club, and he's he's a very promising young talent. So uh, glad that that injury did not set him back you know too far. And we, we've had we've had issues with that right with Mbolo and some of our other bright youngsters recently. And um, yeah, it was a good ten minute or so cameo from him. He you know he, fresh legs late in the game to uh, you know press and try to close this one out. Actually, as soon as he came in, he made a couple moves up in the in the Hertha box, uh, and it looked like he had he had more opportunities uh, offensively than Bentaleb had all game. In um, just a couple minutes that he was in there, uh, but uh, I digress. Uh, let's talk about Mbolo. What would you make of his performance in the game today, uh, yesterday? I thought Mbolo was fairly anonymous. Yeah, yeah. He, really he was. was. Uh, you rarely heard um, his name when he did. He he fumbled it or, or shot it wide. Wasn't. It wasn't a team player. It was he, he, he was intent on going one on one against guys and failing consistently. Eric over on the Neverkusen pod was very hard on him. I heard last week. I, I, heard. I, thought, I thought his performance last week was was at, at a minimum decent and, and certainly a lot better than it was today. But um, you know, obviously, you know, you're not gonna have a great game every week, and he's put a couple goals in for us recently. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I've been pleased to see him out there. Definitely, he, he held in check today, but I think he'll be back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was fine with him. It's. Um, Disconcerting. I haven't seen Harit. I'm wondering about that now. But um, uh, the third substitution would not be Harit uh, in the 88th minute. 
Max Meyer would subbed off and Yevin Konopilyanka would be subbed in. Um, real quick, what are your thoughts on Meyer's performance in this game? You thought he was fairly solid in this one? He was all right. A little bit anonymous, too. Um, I don't think he was maybe as involved as he has been in, in other matches. Uh, of course, him it? being anonymous isn't a bad thing with him and his position compared to, say, like, you know, uh, Mbolo or something like that. You know, you want him to be quiet almost. You want him to shut down the opposition's offense. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you don't hear Max Meyer's name called out, it's not necessarily that he's having, you know, a quiet game. It's just that he might just be, you know, kind of going about his business doing his, doing his job. But I, I think he was... Uh, I'd have to take a look at the stats. I could be wrong about this, but I felt like he was maybe closed out a little bit more than he has been in, in recent weeks. So, right. Um, but you know, whenever he's on the pitch, we do seem to have, you know, uh, something of a rhythm. Um, and our, and I think our possession game is, is definitely, uh, solid. So, um, you know, I, I, I look forward to him being in the lineup, you know, every, every week. He certainly, uh, is, I think, one of the emotional leaders of the team. Yeah. He's been developing into that as the season has gone on. Um, uh, so that, that's that's. I mean, he's he's an he's an important player. I mean, just full stop. He he really is. No, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so minutes kept dwindling down, but Schalke did not give us the heart attack that we thought were coming. Um, game would end one nothing. Schalke win as a result of the win and other results this weekend. Schalke move into second place, one point up on Dortmund and Frankfurt. Who Frankfurt won their game, so that's why they jumped into a tie with Dortmund. Leverkusen are in fifth, while Leipzig are in sixth place. Um, there's four points that separate second through sixth, so by no means should we feel comfortable in this one, Jack. But it's nice to be in a Champions League spot again, and above Dortmund. Yeah, and above Dortmund, I was going to add that. That's, 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 that's the key. <laughs> um, and, and just so you know, I looked this up while we were talking here, and that is the second game all season that Schalke has won with a scoreline of 1-0. to nil. The first one was against, I believe, Freiburg, um, match day 11. So... As I said, very much a rarity. Um, luckily, we were able to hold this one out. Uh, they certainly seemed like they were going for it at the end there. So, yeah. uh, but you know, big win, three wins in a row now, and we've been able to rebound from that very shaky start in the Rook Run, and we're kind of back to where things were um, at the winter break. And you know, I, I think at this point, if, if the results you know keep coming fairly regularly, we're in a very good position to. To get a Champions League spot, but as you said, it, it's still very tight. So we just need to kind of keep this rolling and not get too comfortable, and you know, hopefully, we'll we'll be able to maintain this. Yeah, um, we got some. It's a easier stretch now. We went through a hard stretch already, and we came out okay. Uh, but we we followed that up with you know wins. We ended we ended a stretch with wins against Hoffenheim and Leverkusen. Uh, so that that helped immensely. And then this this win here next week, we got we got Mainz and I think Wolfsburg maybe after that after that I could be wrong, um, but. Yeah, it's it's a stretch now where we can get some points, get get the points back, uh, and hopefully uh, start to increase the lead from the other other positions. Because, like I said, four points between second and sixth. Um, there's a little bit of a gap after that. I think maybe four points between sixth and seventh. But um, you want to you want to secure that Champions League spot sooner or later. And I think there's only what uh, nine games left. Like I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. So this is a this is a another important stretch. I mean, <laughs> I feel like every stretch we come into, I'm like, this is an important stretch. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, it's all important. We have four games now here um, prior to the derby against Dortmund coming up. Okay. And those four games are played against teams that are all 13th in the table or lower. Nice. So I know it, maybe it's a little bit to ask, given kind of the form of shock of the season, to maybe streak seven wins together. Um, after you know, because we just you know had three just now, and maybe to win all of those is you know probably not going to happen. It's the Bundesliga, you know, anything can happen any week. But um, you know, we have Mainz in 16th, Wolfsburg in 15th, 
uh, Freiburg in 13th, uh, Hamburg in 17th. So mm. we're, we're facing teams that are very much in sort of the relegation picture, um, or, or if not in the relegation picture, you know, just firmly at the bottom of the table with, you know, probably not too much by way of upward mobility going to be happening with them. So um, if we can take advantage of these, uh, get a couple wins, and hopefully, um, you know, no losses, I think we'll be in very good shape where uh, maybe the Dortmund match, as big as it always is by nature of, you know, who the opponent is, maybe it won't be as much of a match that has huge implications on whether or not we qualify for the Champions League because, um, you know, there's a couple matches there at the end of the season, Dortmund, uh, even Gladbach to some extent, and then Frankfurt last game of the season um, where, uh, you know, it's a Champions League six-pointer, right? That's kind of the phrase you use. So um, hopefully we can get a couple big wins here in the next few matches that would would, uh, help our cause tremendously. I couldn't agree more. Um, It's definitely going to be an interesting close to the season. Um, hopefully we can keep that Champions League spot. Ultimately, that's what you want. Uh, you want, you'd love to finish above Dortmund. Um, but, uh, you know, Champions League is what we want to be back and that's where the big money is. Uh, if we, if we, you know, losing, losing who we may lose this summer for free, no, no less. Um, if we, if we have that Champions League locked up, it'll help actually attract some players, maybe get them for a little bit less than we were, we could have uh, otherwise. Uh, so it should be interesting times here coming up and then obviously the big derby coming up and not too long from now. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times like once again here at Schalke. So uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season, and I know you are as well. Schalke fans, what did you make of the match against Hertha Berlin? Tell us about it at SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. All right, and as we kind of just alluded to, we have Mainz next. Uh, they're not very high up on the table. They're actually in the relegation zone right now, um, thanks to five losses in the Rook Runda alone. Um, we met them back in October, I think, 20th or something. Uh, we won that game 2 nothing with goals from Leon Goretzka and Guido Bergstaller. Jack, what are you looking forward to in this game against Mainz? I don't know. I, I haven't been particularly impressed with them this season. Um... I feel like in, in recent seasons, it's been a match that has kind of grabbed my attention a little bit more. Um, right. I don't I, I don't want to underestimate them, uh, you know, but I wasn't particularly worried about them early in the season, and I haven't been worried about them here. And uh, I really hope we don't, you know, drop the ball and, and lose this game or, you know, have something weird happen. This is a game, I think, at this point that we should be winning. Um, you know, we, we're fighting for a Champions League spot. This is a team that hasn't had a good season. And I mean, they were what six wins all season, I think. Yeah, um, but some but, of the wins have been like impressive. I think they beat Hoffenheim. They beaten Hertha Berlin last week, two nothing. So they had some decent wins, even though they're, they've been terrible all season. So it's a team that we should keep an eye on. I don't, I don't think Tesco looked past them, but uh, they sh- it should be a win. Yeah, you never want to take an opponent for granted. But I mean, like they just they just drew Hamburg this past weekend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you look at the lineup. Who is it that you're particularly? worried about when you look at their squad anthony uja yeah yeah i mean i mean who else who else is it really let me pull up their lineup real quick why is this monopoly to come up (laughs) i'm I'm just saying i mean like i i look at the squad and uh there's just not a whole lot going on there that is like oh that's 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 a trouble player or that's something they got to keep an eye on and be worried quite on was a person that uh, when he first came onto the scene, everyone was worried about, but he hasn't really done anything that's worth uh, worth getting you getting you scared about. Um, there's really nobody. Holtman, you could say maybe, but 
really there isn't anybody. I mean, uh, Uja is maybe the only guy I would think maybe you could really worry about. But other than that, it's not, there's no one really that's going to worry you. Yeah, so hopefully that ends up being the case. Um, hopefully. As we're watching it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, we have March Madness coming up here. And we got four games in March that I'm not super worried about from the shop perspective, so that's probably good. I can watch some basketball. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope it's a it's a clean sweep and we get 12 points out of that one. Um, so I I take it you're you're hoping for a comfortable win uh, in in the Mines one. Hopefully not a heart attack game uh, where we have to worry to the last minute. At least I like to have a blowout now and then. You know. Yeah. Just, let's it, let's hope we get an early goal and then let's hope we don't wait until you know a penalty in the 85th minute to get the second one. Labor cues and match, um, yeah, or something along those lines. Maybe get a DeSanto uh, hat trick so we can get a Jack all riled up. Uh, how about we just get a Weston McKenney <laughs> first goal for Shaq? I would love that. that. I would love that. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. We're going to go. I'm going to go three one Weston McKenney goal. Nice, nice. I'm going to go two nothing. <laughs> um, oh, speaking of Weston McKinney, when he was out last week or in the last couple of weeks, did you, did you see one of the? Uh, he posted on Instagram of uh, him cheering at the one of the games. Uh, it was at home. I don't remember who it was against Hoffenheim, and he was celebrating so loudly and cheering and cursing. It was it was fun to fun to see a video of that. Yeah, I, I love to see that whenever the players are, um, you know, in, in the stands when they're invested in it. Whether it was you know Kolasinic last last year, yeah, um, yeah, when he was on his way out and he you know put the bucket hat on and was seeing the you know the match from the fan perspective. I think the last game of the season, so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's great that Weston McKinney was, was invested and, you know, excited and everything. I, I love that, that, that social media content. I think it really, uh, fires all the fans up. All right. Before we close this out, we're going to transition into a little bit of Max Meyer. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the other elephant in the room, right? Uh, exactly. The first one has kind of left the room. Now there's 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 one remaining. Um, yeah. Uh, news came out this past week, right, that he has declined another contract offer um, <laughs> from Schalke, which is something that you and I had been worried about, right? Given the yep. fact that um, it seemed that for most of this season we had spent, or at least the club had, um, the majority of its efforts trying to lock down Goretzka. Um, meanwhile, there's an argument to be made that the better player this year has been Max Meyer. And, oh, undoubtedly. And undoubtedly. he's sitting there just kind of, you know, like, hey, where's my attention? I'm not locked up either. How come you aren't talking to me? Um, it definitely seemed like we made Goretzka a priority over Meyer, and I, I don't know if that's played into this at all. If he feels slighted, I would hope that's not the case. But, I mean, honestly, who knows? So he's declined another contract offer, and that's not a good sign. Um, it's looking like uh, – Obviously, nothing's decided officially, but it's very much looking like we are going to lose both Goretzka and Max Meyer, two Germany Ugh. national team members under the age of, what, like 23. Yeah. Um, and we're going to lose them for nothing. And it's it's the ongoing saga of poor contract management. Um, and uh, the other thing I'll say is, you know, my, my buddy sent me a text. I think it was maybe Thursday or Friday. And um, he goes, hey, you know, Schalke's on the ringer, which is, of course – Bill Simmons um, oh, right, yeah. website, and I'm like, they wrote a piece on Schalke, like what? So I go and I check this out, and and naturally it's not you know a piece about like how great the Bundesliga is or no, you know something else about Schalke. Um, Schalke finally made you know some sort of mainstream American 
um, piece of news media because they're so horrible at managing their contracts. And that's yeah. what the entire piece was about. Was about, you know, you look at a, you know, a, a list of the players that we've let go, whether it's, you know, Klosinich, Matip. Um, and obviously we've, we've sold some of these guys. It's not that we're losing all of them for free, but um, you can make a start, a very dangerous starting 11 out of uh, players that we have not been able to hold on to. So hopefully something changes and we can lock up Max. Uh, I'm not particularly optimistic about it at this point. How about neither you? Neither am I not. Neither am I. I, uh, I I'm kind of already – I kind of thought at the beginning of the season he was going to be gone just by his reactions before the season started. Um, I, I was hoping that with this transition to a new position that he would fall in love with that. And I think he has, but uh, I thought it would re- reinvigorate his uh, desire to stay. That hasn't happened. Um, so I, I'm pretty I'm – pretty, I'm pretty content at the point at this point saying that I'm pretty sure he's staying or leaving. Um, if he stays, I'll be th- I'll be thrilled, but I it, I doubt that's going to happen at this point. Um, so we know McKinney can fill in for for Goretzka at this point, but who who comes in for um, for Meyer? I mean, is there someone in the line in the in the in the stable of young players we have at the academy that can fill in? Um, maybe we shift some of the guys we have now from attack into the midfield and, and bring in Tuker so we can he can play more i'm not sure what the solution is going to be and that's something Tedesco and Heidel are going to have to figure out um they're obviously going to have to they're going to have to change their their the way they sign players too i mean this this the whole system of this you know wait until the last year or whatever don't play hardball just give them the, give players contracts i mean come on they're deserving if you want them there yeah. give them money before don't don't wait, wait the last minute and i'd like to think that a lot of this was horse tell and not christian heidel yeah, I, I was not. I hope too. Or at least I'm going to blame it on that because it makes me feel better. But um, me too. Yeah, we really need to find. I mean, you're you're going to lose your best players. It's it's just kind of a reality of of world football at the moment. There's always a bigger fish, unless you're you know Barcelona or whoever. Um, but you have to capitalize on it when you do it. You can't just be this this charity talent factory for the rest of Europe. Um, it's not that Schalke is hurting for money like some clubs are, but you look at the players we've let go or are going to let go. If you include, you know, potentially Maya and Gretzka this summer over the past, even the past, just like two or three years. And that's easily a hundred million dollars. I know if not more that we just let walk out the door for nothing. It's, it's absolutely absurd. So, and when you talk about, you know, promoting from within, yeah, maybe there's some, um, it can happen to talent that I'm not, familiar with because honestly i'm not as tuned into that as i probably should be or maybe there's but, some nuremberg players that we're going to take again <laughs> yeah <or> nuremberg, <laughs> the nuremberg pipeline right but like i don't think the answer is bentaleb do you No, i don't I mean, unless he has a massive turnaround which yeah. i don't see and i don't dislike bentaleb and I, I think he's a decent player to have in terms of squad rotation and yeah. depth but i don't think he's the answer um particularly if if tedesco wants to continue playing the way he's playing now and kind of um, have that sort of midfield fulcrum. I don't think we have a, a natural replacement for that. I think, as we've talked about previously, McKenney is much more in the vein of a Goretzka, potentially. Um, I don't think there is a natural replacement in our squad right now for Max Meyer. So uh, I think we're going to have to go out and do some shopping, probably. And uh, hopefully we have Champions League football to help help in that pursuit, you know, to attract people. No, I, I agree. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, this is gonna, it's gonna hurt when, once he does leave, uh, how, uh, how the team reacts, but it's, um, it's, it's part of football, like you said, and people complain about how Byron are ruling this world by taking, taking all the, using all the money and taking all the good players. You know, the way to counteract that is you do well and challenge them for the title and maybe players want to come to you. You know, it's gonna be hard. It's not easy. I'm not gonna say that, but, um, it, it is, it is, it isn't totally one-sided. It's something you can do too. And, uh, hopefully, uh, Heidel can uh, help change stuff that we used to do and, and change the policies because the old way doesn't work. 
yeah, challenging for a title when uh, Bayern is a, a cool 20 points. I'm not saying this place. season, not this season, yeah. man. They're down the road. <laughs> 20, 20 point difference in the table and a 20 goal difference oh. as well. In terms of not, not goal difference, their goal difference is actually much more than that. I'm, just in terms of goals scored, they've scored 20 more goals than we have. They probably have their defenders probably have as many goals as our whole team. <laughs> I think the goal difference is like plus thirty two or something. Oh, it's that's crazy. absolutely absurd. But that's crazy. I'm just gonna get depressed if we keep talking about this. I will too. So, um, Shaka fans, what do you think about this whole Max Meyer saga? Uh, let us know at so four underscore podcast on Twitter. Before we go, oh, actually, you know, let's just wrap it up there because um, anymore, Jack and I are gonna get get pissed off. We're losing players and. Not signing them, whatever. So anyway, uh, keep tuning in each week as we'll bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Octor, Opta Franz, and the Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, send us a tweet at SO4 underscore podcast. Stay tuned to next week's episode where we'll recap that Mainz match. To my co-host Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter or social media? J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Yes, absolutely. And if you haven't got a chance yet to listen to the the Neverkusen podcast that he was on, please do so and and give those boys a follow. Uh, uh, They they do excellent work over there. Um, Once again, I am your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoos. (laughs) 